Hey guys, welcome back to the Free Drop Podcast. Today's episode is with Sunshine Tour winner JP Stradom. We cover a variety of topics throughout what is an absolutely delightful chat, from his maiden tour title at the 2019 Tour Championship, to his ensuing injury struggles, his friendship with Proteus cricket legend Jacques Callas, two career-changing three-putts, and loads, loads more. I really, really enjoyed JP's perspective on both life and golf and thank him so, so much for the time. Before we get to the chat though, I'd like to encourage each and every one of you to give us a follow on social media so that we can get JP's and the many other wonderful stories that lie within South African golf out to a wider audience. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at freedrop underscore podcast. Without any further delay, here is JP Stradle. Being being back on tour the last couple of weeks, it must be sort of somewhat surreal after after such a long period away from the game. Yeah, it, it does feel pretty weird. I mean, it feels like I've been on holiday for for nine months, to be honest. So it's it's quite difficult being home, you know, seeing your friends, family for nine months, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got to stop playing again. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to be back. It feels a bit weird, but um, yeah, it's it's I'm pretty stoked to be back. I suppose it's kind of like COVID revisited. Although COVID was, I mean, your 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 guys' break from professional golf was obviously a lot shorter. But it must be quite strange when you do have those kind of lengthy times at home. It must be pretty weird. It is, yeah. I mean, myself and my girlfriend. I mean, it's been quite a hectic eight months, nine months. Um, you know, not knowing if I'm fit to play and if I'm ready to play and and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, to finally get the go-ahead uh, to start playing again um, was pretty cool. But like I said, again, I mean, spending time with family, um, seeing your mates, um, being at home for, for so long. And then all of a sudden, to pack your, luckily, my first event was in, in Cape Town, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and obviously, making the cut was, was the goal. Um, actually, just to break four was the goal. I didn't really know where my game was um, prior to that. But um, yeah, and then all of a sudden, now you've got to go away for uh, two weeks. And yeah, obviously, Joburg, it's, it's still in South Africa, but it's still not so far away uh, <laughs> being, being for home for so long. So yeah, but anyway, it's, it's good to catch up with all my mates. Um, I have Jakob Pinsler and JC Ritchie staying with me, and uh, uh, Sean Norris staying with me for Cape Town Open. Obviously, I missed that one. I think it was in April. Oh, cool. But yeah. It's good to catch up with those boys and, and to see the boys again. Because technically, they are family because you see them more than your family. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, so it was good to catch up with them. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, it's, it's quite cool to be back on tour again. And what's it been like kind of, I guess, managing your workload as you kind of make the make the comeback? That So that's a tricky part because... Um, I played, well, I didn't play, I didn't touch club for, I think, six months. Um, and then when I started chipping again, um, I felt pain again. Um, and then I actually, it's not a good thing, but I actually went for a cortisone injection in my ligament. Um, so my, I, so basically my, op- my operation was the, um, I had a reconstructive, a reconstructed, uh, nerve, nerve reconstruction. And then obviously I pulled my ligaments in my wrist. Um, so the the nerve in my elbow is is fine, but the the ligament that's the problem. So that's still sore. Um, and obviously with that cortisone injection, um, it does help. It numbs the pain, but you yeah. play through it. So you don't really you don't really know where your pain level is until that injection works out. So I felt that last week at Wingate, um, because it's been exactly two months since that injection. Um, so yeah, actually that's why I didn't play Highland Gate this week, just to give myself another week, two weeks rest before that turban set. So yeah, I, mean, be- I can't hit I can't hit more than hundred balls and then play and then play. So that's the that's a tricky part to manage, you know, get that the happy medium um to where to you know, where the cutoff is before I feel feel pain again. Yeah, and then I suppose I mean once the pain sort of sets in then you then you sort of compromising on the quality of of your strikes as well and then that's not necessarily um you know an indication of where your swings at per se it's more yeah an indication of where you are physically yeah absolutely so i felt uh, dissolve was fine because i mean the ground is quite soft and gas and obviously you know with the rain and stuff we had here um 
so that's that's fine. But in Joburg, being I mean three degrees in the morning, um, and obviously it's winter there now, so everything's firm. It's hard. Mm. So I, I struggled with with that whole you know the ground because I'm fairly steep on the board generally. Um, it, that that was a big part of you know hitting into basically into almost par. So that obviously put a lot of strain and and on my wrist and all that stuff. For sure. But before we before we digress too much, for for those who are perhaps unfamiliar with your with your background and stuff, would you mind just kind of providing a brief overview of you know where you grew up and and went to school and how you got into the game? Yeah, so obviously, um, I mean, I grew up in in Cape Town, Durban, Wolfside. Um, I got into the game through my dad. My dad was a, a pretty decent golfer himself. So. Yeah, so I did actually did a bit of racing um, before golf, and then took the total opposite and started playing golf. So yeah, I obviously got through the game through my dad um, since I was, I think, I took it seriously since I was about thirteen or twelve, and then yeah, I kind of went through the ranks and ended up kind of where I am now. What was the kind of thinking behind sort of pivoting away from from racing and 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 going into into golf a bit more a bit more seriously? Yeah, so I, I, I always played golf, but I never, you know, thought I was going to uh, do it as a profession until until about, I would say, about 14, 13, 14. Um, obviously, mm. my dad got more, um, obviously stopped, stopped racing when I was about 10. Um, so I started very young and then um, kind of went to the golf course with my dad and, you know, take the old lob wedge and putter and, and take his ball in his back and kind of try them away. So yeah, and then kind of progressed to, um, you know, I think I got my under 14 province colors or province, uh, played province and whatever. And then from there, kind of the bug bit me. And then, um, yeah, then from there it was, it was history. I dropped all sports. I played a bit of cricket, played a bit of rugby. And then, yeah, obviously cricket and golf is total opposite. So um, stopped, I think I stopped cricket when I was 14 and just focused everything just for golf. Yeah, it's super interesting how people, you know, take different paths. I mean, you get those people that play a variety of different sports, but as, as you've kind of illustrated, like, you know, playing cricket isn't exactly the best for your, I mean, if you're a batsman, playing playing cricket isn't exactly great for your, for your sort of swing fields and things like that. Um, yeah. And did you, did you find kind of having that singular focus really, really helped you? Yes, I mean, obviously... As a lighty, I mean, uh, generally everyone plays kind of all the sports. Um, and then yeah. obviously with cricket um, being probably my second favorite sport ever, um, it is a total opposite. I mean, you know, the batting technique and the golf technique. I mean, look at one of my good mates, uh, Callis, uh, Jock. And when he played cricket, um, he played a bit of golf, but I think he was like a six or five handicap. Mm. And the minute he stopped cricket and just focused on golf, he had to change his whole you know, technique. He was very steep on the ball. And now he's swinging it unbelievably, um, just focusing just on golf. I think he's off a plus one or a scratch now. So, yeah, if you look at that, um, you know, the video playing cricket and the video now without cricket, it's it's two different, you know, total opposites. Yeah. Um, and I mean, how much have you kind of lent on, on on someone like him to you know chat about the? I mean, obviously, cricket is a team game, but I mean, batting is is pretty individualistic i mean have you have you ever had like any conversations with him about the i suppose like how to how to deal with that aspect and um you know i suppose going into your going into your bubble between balls or shots or whatever the case may be and then refocusing yeah so i think he was sorry i'm just moving out the way of the dogs um i think he was probably one of the best examples of that bubble in the mental side of yeah. him so he's definitely he's definitely helped me um, quite a lot, you know, just having, even around a bri, just having chats to him about, you know, mental golf, cricket, um, all that stuff, you know, being the men- getting into the mental side of, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of the game. He's definitely helped me quite a bit. That's just a- opening up my eyes to different, you know, different things of, um, of how to think about things under pressure and, and all that type of thing. That's amazing. I mean, who who better to learn from than arguably yeah, the, the best yeah. all-rounder to ever play the game but um, yeah yeah so obviously you had quite a prolific um amateur career i mean i was actually going back through the results on 
province golf yesterday and it's actually it's it's insane to see you know how consistent you were and how often you won but do you when you sort of think back on that time of your life like does anything kind of stand out as being a particularly memorable performance either because you um you know you had a, a great head-to-head battle with a with with another player or perhaps you won not necessarily having your your best stuff anything anything like that yeah so i think i, I started basically peaking i think i was was 2000 i think it's called 2009 so 2010 i would say was my kind of my breakthrough year i mean i had a gap year to just play golf and kind of prove myself my dad um uh, luckily gave me a couple of years to you know try and get my sa colors and stuff like that but i think 2010 was my was a great year and then obviously 2011 i played average and then 2012 when i got my um, box colors the, the main one being on that um getting into that overseas trip when we played the test match against scotland in in, in scotland especially um yeah that was kind of the you know um the highlight i would say of my amateur career making that six-man team with i think it was hayden hayden portis brandon stone all those boys which are I mean, phenomenal players now. Yeah. So that was kind of, you know, that was kind of cool to get into that team. That was my, that was my goal. And then obviously, turn pro. Once I get, my dad always told me, um, you're first going to get your SA colors before you turn pro, or even think about turning pro. And he was kind of spot on because, I mean, playing, playing overseas against, I mean, probably the best, well, the best amateurs in the world. Um, and just to see where your level of the game is, uh, uh, you know, to test your game against theirs. Um, and into turn pro, it's it's two different things. But it's it's cool to you know go through that that phase first, and then you know kind of see where you are in the pro in the pro ranks. Yeah, and it's also I mean I've, I mean there are obviously a number of guys that you know maybe matriculate and then almost turn pro like straight out of school. But if you, I suppose it must be quite nice to have those those few years after school where it's like no like no no interruptions. You can focus one hundred percent on your golf and. And then really kind of see, as you say, where like where you how you stack up, and I'm sure that gave you a lot of peace of mind when you actually eventually um, turn pro. Yeah, it's turning pro. It's quite a tricky one because you don't want to turn pro too early. But uh, like a lot of the Oaks go to tour school and they actually get their card. You know, if you get an amazing week. Well, back then when we turned when I turned pro. Um, 2013, we played, I think it was five rounds, one week. Now there's, there's two stages, um, you know, stage one, stage two, that you have to go through. But a lot of the Oaks went to tour school and, you know, just to see if they can actually get the card. And then they get the card and they don't take it. Um, and then when they're ready to turn pro, then they don't get the card. So oh, it's, it's, it's quite a tricky one. There was about three Oaks that did that my year. And, and then they never actually, you know, they tried to turn pro after that. and they never got the card. So it's quite tricky to to get that, you know, to to know when you're ready to turn pro. Because obviously you don't want to turn pro too young. But uh, these days, um, even after my layoff, um, obviously I've, I haven't played in, well, started playing now, but it's nine months, whatever. Obviously there's a lot of a lot of new Oaks uh, on tour. And they're young, I mean, youngsters, and they're brilliant. They, they work hard. I mean, the Oaks are hungry, you know. It's just getting tougher and tougher. It must be quite weird. I mean, year after year, there's just a new a new batch of guys coming through that you've got to now, you know, compete compete for 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 checks with and and things like that. It must be, I suppose, like it must be quite motivating at the same time. Though it must be really cool. It must keep you keep you quite uh, quite hungry and focused. Yeah, I mean. I looked out I was actually having a lot of fun sitting with my friends and my girlfriend and I'm like, I'm actually quite stressed to go play again because if you look at the cuts um, in the co-sanctions, you know, we got that challenge for... Oh, they were insane. They were, I mean, the average cut, I worked it out, was probably four under. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that, that's yeah. decent golf. Off, I mean, three days and you're four under and you're not making the cut. Um, so I was quite nervous getting back into, you know, obviously going through up. Um, and then not knowing exactly where you are, um, so that's quite that was quite stressful <laughs> to get back into the whole into the whole thing and seeing the scores that the Oaks are shooting. Oh, it's ridiculous, you know. It's, 
at the same time. How much does it help kind of, you obviously um, had the tour championship win and then that obviously puts you in the, in the um, 3A category. How much has that kind of helped your, I mean, it must give you quite a lot of peace of mind, kind of knowing that you've, that you've got that and you can kind of pick and choose where you play rather than feeling like you've got to play every week. It, it, it does. Um, so the reason why I'm still on actually on my 3A category is because I was actually injured just after my win um, in 2019. Yeah. I was actually injured there. Um, at the, I actually hurt myself at that event. And that's actually where the whole thing started with this nerve damage and, and stuff like that. There's a photo that I actually won. I was strapped up from my whole arm and all that, all that stuff. Um, so I was, I'm actually still playing on my medical um, from then because I didn't play for seven months after my win. And then obviously came oh, back and, and, um, and then started playing again. Um, but now it does help. I mean, obviously, my medical technically, this medical um, actually kicks in at I think it's, it's open. So I injured myself at Joburg Open where I saw the ligaments in my arm, in my wrist. Um, but yeah, it, it does help. But obviously, like now, I want to play everything. I mean, I wanted to play so badly Highland Gates, but it's, my body's just obviously not ready, you know, to play three weeks in a row. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm, I would love to play everything at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of one of those things. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I'm sure like within within like a certain time period, you'll you'll kind of look back and be like, okay, it was really tough for, for quite a few months, but you know, you'll get back to, to like um, 100% health and, and, and be back playing the playing the golf and, and, and practicing as like playing the golf that you're capable of but also like playing and practicing as pretty much whenever whenever you you really want to rather than having to kind of manage it constantly yeah so um that's where the tricky you know the whole tricky part comes in is you know it's played some i can't play i, I would love to play every day um I, I, I flew back on friday after obviously missing the cut at wingate and um couldn't play the weekend. Um, yeah, went to go see the physio on Monday, and um, played yesterday my first my first round um, since since the previous comp. And then yeah, obviously today I'm feeling it. It's it's sore, so I'm seeing I've got another physio session tomorrow. So um, yeah, they they kind of <laughs> they're not very friendly with me the physios because <laughs> it's, it's not ideal. But it it is for the better, obviously to loosen up everything and yeah. And all that stuff. So yeah, the managing is it's tricky because I mean, I, I was never really a guy to even as as a youngster, I was never really a guy to stand on the range and hit five hundred balls. I'd rather mm. play seventy two all the day if I can. But um, even now, hitting fifty balls, it, it, it's it's tricky. And sure. then you know, I was playing as well, so it's it's not easy. But I suppose we'll get there. Yeah, hundred percent. So rewinding a bit to to when you when you first turned pro back in back in twenty thirteen, you um you took a couple of seasons to kind of find your feet. But for for people who aren't necessarily familiar with the with the challenges of, of first turning pro, I mean, put into perspective how how tricky it is to to find your feet from like I mean a variety of aspects like the the travel aspect maybe playing courses that you're not necessarily that familiar with and um you know i suppose also being subject to the to the re-rank in in your initial seasons as well um before you kind of crack the top 50 must also be quite tricky yeah so it my first year on tour i got my card i think i finished 11th at tour school um it was quite a good field at tour school was, i think jennifer telly was there um Eric van Roy and you know all those boys, and I finished eleventh yeah. there um, as an amateur. Obviously, then turned pro. And then my first event was actually Diodata, and obviously being familiar with fan courts, um, I know the courses, and I actually luckily I didn't have to preview for that one. Um, and made the cut, and that kind of gave me confidence. And then, and then right the week after that was that Telcom PGA event where I shot sixty four, and then sixty nine. My first two rounds, and I thought, you know. Pro life is the easiest thing ever. <laughs> until I, until it's um, yeah, until I, I, I didn't make a cut the, the rest of the year. I, I made one after that, and that was at the end of the season. 
I sure. appreciate for all the things. I made, I think I finished 98 on all the so I just kept my card. Um, and obviously being 21, you think you're, you know, a hero. You know, you're playing with all these oaks and, you know, you're making this cut here and there. And then your eyes actually start opening when you see, you know, all the top oaks and then you realize, okay, this is the next level. So coming from amateur golf, being a top amateur or whatever, and then turning pro, I mean, these oaks, amateur, everyone knows who you are, now you turn pro, and these oaks, they don't know who you are. I mean, now mm. you're a small fish in this, in this big pond. And then actually the previous year, which is probably the best thing that's ever happened to me, I lost my card. Um, yeah. And in 2014, I had to go you know, back to first school and luckily got it back. And then um, I kept my card that year. And in 2015, I carried on um, making cut here and they didn't really get a breakthrough. And then actually it was quite funny that at uh, Cape Town Open at the end of the year in 2015, um, we finished off with Daniel, um, off of Daniel's Nipper Creek. That was our final one of the year. And um, Eric van Rooyen actually three-putted on the 18th for me to finish fifth. Shit. Uh, and that got me into Daniel without pre-king. And then I made the cut at Daniel and finished top 15 automers. So that was kind of like my breakthrough. I don't want to say that Eric three-putted for me to get my breakthrough, <laughs> but technically that was kind of my breakthrough. It is pretty weird though how like someone else's so, misfortune can 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 really benefit you yeah i mean golf every shot makes someone happy <laughs> i'm pretty happy but uh yeah actually, i actually saw eric uh last week at serengeti i did some work there on monday um before wingate myself and yaki and i saw him he's actually struggling with the uh, uh back spasms and neck spasms so that's why he hasn't been playing and I kind of did give him a little reminder of that little three putt that I saw him appear for that three putt. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, you, need, you need those little breakthroughs in life, I suppose. Yeah. What was the biggest kind of thing, like the, I suppose the biggest learning curve you found or something you, you kind of weren't quite expecting about tour life when, when you kind of look back on the, those first couple of years? I think the biggest thing is, Probably belief. I mean, um, you know, you belong there. That's that. I struggled with that. I mean, even the bigger, especially the bigger events. You know, the co-sanctions. Once you started getting into those, and you see all the European tour boys and and Oaks you see week in week out on TV, and and now you're kind of playing with them. I think the biggest the biggest thing is um, is just to believe in yourself. I think that yeah. that was that was my struggle. You know, for years, and so I still to date I've. I mean, you can chat to a lot of golfers. I, I'm probably, I downplay everything. Like, I'm, you know, I don't really believe in myself. I believe, but I don't believe. So, you know, doubt. There's always that doubt. Yeah. I think once you get that, you know, that confidence of, you know, what I belong here, um, then you're ready, you know, really got your foot through the door type of thing, you know? So I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. It's kind of like that, I mean, people often talk about it in like a sort of normal nine to five workspace, but like when you land a particular job that you maybe uh, sort of are quite taken aback by you, you kind of suffer from that almost like imposter syndrome. I don't know. I mean, that might be a bit of a hectic thing to say in your case, but is it something somewhat similar to that um, in those initial years? It, it is. Um, yeah. You, you, you've got to find that, that, you know the balance i think that's also one of the, the big things you've got to find that balance what works for you so you know your off days and your off weeks that you don't overwork yourself before going back on to type of thing hmm. so i think that's also that's also a big thing you know um finding that balance what works for you you know um that's also you know one of the biggest things i've had to deal with i suppose um to find you know what works for you um type of thing you know that it, I mean, like some of the oaks go fishing or or you know off season or after even after uh, off the round of golf uh, they go fish and you've got to find that that happy happy medium in golf yeah i mean how would you how would you say you're kind of i suppose the way you sort of spend a, a tournament week or perhaps how you like prepare how how would you say that that's 
sort of changed between now and, and, and when you first when you first turned pro? So obviously when I just back then we, we had to preview for every single event. Um you know, even the Vodacom oranges um oranges event. So it was quite tricky because obviously my uh, I had no I had a, I had a card but I I didn't you know I wasn't exempt or you know I didn't get any invites. Um so we I, I missed a lot of qualifiers. <laughs> so we had to preview basically week in, week out. So you would fly to Durban it's for example, you fly to Durban on the Monday, preview is Tuesday, and you miss preview, you fly back, sure. and then you have to go to Durban. So th- th- that was difficult. Now, now all the well, all the smaller events are full field, which is amazing, and that's why we got so much um, different winners, um, you know, new winners, because everyone kind of gets that opportunity. Because a lot of the Oaks, uh, even me, I struggled with with the qualifiers because I mean, you got one round. Um, to prove yourself, top ten. If you don't make it, you're out. And that's obviously a lot of a lot of pressure. But now you can at least you know go away for three weeks. Let's say for instance this Durban stretch, no qualifiers. You know you can plan your week, um, practice down or program or whatever you want to do. But when you pre queue, I mean you fly in the morning, practice down that afternoon. Next morning pre queue, you miss it by one. You pack your bags, you're coming home. Sure. So at least now you you get that. You know, you get the opportunity to play, play all the events, and then obviously the big ones there's qualifiers. But um, now, yeah, everyone can you know get a shot. Yeah, and then I suppose that actually free. Well, I mean, it would it would free you up in a in a like a tournament setting because you're not like you you're not always like looking over your shoulder, wondering where that when the next uh, pre queue is and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. No. No. Of course. Um, and that's why it's so important for that. Um, once again, I'm going back to Eric. <laughs> that's top fifty, uh, because I mean, I've, yeah, like I said, you just need one one breakthrough in this game, and then you kind of, you know, you you need to get into that top fifty. And that's why it's so important to either be in the winners category or get into that top fifty, so you can at least, you know, play the big events. And like you said, you don't have to worry about the speaky. Because mm. um, the qualifiers are horrible. It's not ideal. <laughs> I mean, you can play so well for 17 holes and make a bogey in the last, and and yeah, you're coming home. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you touch on the whole the whole kind of, I suppose the the planning aspect of, of a week. I mean, I'm quite good friends with uh, Luca Filippi, who's also recently yeah, turned yeah. pro, and, and yeah. I mean, he's playing really, really well now. But when he when he cracked the top 50, I was like, well done, dude! Like, put into perspective what this kind of means and he was like well it means that i can actually plan my week and not have to bank on on pre-queues week in and week out it must your must be must be absolutely game changing yeah i look at yeah he's also one of my mates um he's a yeah he's a he's a phenomenal player um so yeah like i mean like you said that top 50 is amazing because you can actually plan your whole year kind of you know schedule i think the only the only tricky one to get into is that uh, mauritius one because um, they obviously uh, it used to be a co-sanctioned with the Asian Asian tour mm. as well. Yeah. So basically, only the winners got in um, in that one. Uh, but now with this just being a DP World one and the Sunshine Tour one, there were obviously more spots. But now, like I mean, you can plan your whole year. You can pick where you want to play. Maybe you don't like the sport or you like this one. You can kind of skip this one and play those two type of things. So it is. It's very important to get into that. So just kind of looking at the trajectory of your of your career, I mean you you knocked on the on the door a couple of times um before before you eventually broke through. What was it like, I guess, um you know, you mentioned the 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 types of guys that you grew up playing with, Portia, Stone, etc. What was it like kind of, you know, seeing all of the success that they were having and before you 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 won your first event, it must have been, I suppose, a, a case of just kind of biding your time and knowing that your that your time was was coming. But what was that like for you? It's quite strange. It's a weird. I don't know. It's a weird feeling. Like it's almost like you you know it's going to happen, but you don't know when. So obviously, the second place at Dar Data, um, where Yaku Allah's won, was quite a big one because I mean we were tired. He was it's actually quite ironic because he was 
playing um, with one of my very good mates, Colors, with Josh, as a as a partner okay. because you know the prime prime format. And yeah. the night before, I sent Jock a message. I was like, "Listen, can we not maybe kind of discuss this?" <laughs> no, I don't mean it like that. But I mean, you know, obviously Jock hasn't. He that's his goal is to win that prime, and they were leading going into the final day. And um, and I was playing decent golf. I mean, we played at Montague, which is a tough course. Um, hmm. I think I turned at three under, and myself and Yaku were tied with nine holes to go. And I looked at the leaderboard and my dad was driving with me on the golf spot and he, I looked at the leaderboard and he kind of jumped four shots ahead of me within a space of five holes Jeez. and he went eagle on he went eagle on 10 30 11 30 12 30 13 and that's kind of where I put my you know put the white flag on him and just you know you, you take it on the chin and then obviously a couple of months later caps are open and uh, that um, I still kind of think of that event that that's the event that I should have won um that's the one that I feel that slipped away uh, obviously, with that start, uh, starting with a 62, um, the first day, um, hitting 28, the first line, which, which was I was still sleepwalking that first time. Still didn't really know what, what happened. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I, that's the one that I feel like I should have, you know, won before my win at Serengeti. So it was kind of build up of good finishes, um, putting myself in position to actually compete, and you know, that final day. And then obviously a couple of months later, or a couple of weeks later, and then Serengeti happened. Um, so that was that was quite a relief. But yeah, it's not e- not easy to win. Gives <laughs> you a couple of grays. <laughs> and um, you know, if if someone had said that your that your first win would come in your in your hundredth event, would would you have taken it, or would you have kind of said, "Oh, why did it take that long? Why couldn't it be like my tenth event?" Up. I actually didn't know until um, one of the guys from Compete Golfer uh, phoned me up three days later and he said, listen, we're doing this, this write-up uh, about the win and all that stuff. Um, did you know that you win your 100 starts? I didn't even know. I, uh, it, was, it was quite, yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. So um, it, it was quite amazing to, to actually get that done on the 100 start, which is, which is quite weird. But it was quite amazing at the same time. What are your what are your um, sort of fondest memories of, of of that week? I mean, I know you mentioned, I think, in a complete golfer article, actually, that you, you know, after the after the Cape Town um, uh, runner up, you you actually quite liked the fact that you were that you were trailing um, at at Serengeti. I mean, that yeah. did that kind of free you up mentally? I guess going into the last round. Absolutely. I, I, I still, I was leading Captain Open by one going into the final day. Myself and Zander Lombard actually played in the final grouping. And then obviously Ben, Ben followed uh, Smith. He came back from, I think he was five behind the last day. He played a bit in the morning, so there wasn't as much wind. And I think he shot six under or five under and he, and he uh, you know, he tipped us by one or two. But I mean, yeah, I, I definitely felt more at ease going into the final round, um, not leading. Um, I think Tristan Lawrence was leading. Him and Oki Stratum was leading. And um, one of my good mates was actually helping me out that week, Francois. Um, he caddies on the European tour. And um, he used to caddy for me as an amateur. Actually, all the opens and a couple of, in the beginning of my first year, a couple of events. And then he caddied for me. And I remember we were standing in the fairway on the eighth hole at Serengeti, that par five island green. And we were like three behind, two behind. And he kind of gave me a four one. He said, listen, you're going to go for the green. I want you to lay up with a wedge just on the left-hand side <laughs> and, you know, take my paw. And he says to me, listen, but, um, and that was actually quite crucial. He said to me, you're not going to win a tournament by, you know, laying up or, you know, not going for it. So I went for it. I knocked it in the water. I made bogey. And I couldn't be angry because I gave myself a chance to, you know, hit it on the green, you two putt, you make 30. And then... The next hole, the very next hole, I hold like the 50 footer, which was disgusting. You should, I mean, you buy a two putt there, and that went yeah. in. And then I kind of realized, okay, cool, something, something's happening here. And then obviously on the 10th, I made birdie as well, then birdie on 12, uh, birdie on 11, birdie on 12. And then I kind of realized, okay, I didn't look at the leaderboard until the 17th hole, where I was one behind or tied with lead. And I made birdie on 17 and part 18. And then, shame, uh, Johnny, who one of my very good mates, um, 
easily part of the last hole uh, for me to win actually by, by one. So it it was much easier going into the final round, not leading, um, because then you kind of you go for more things. You don't want to you don't you know you don't want to lay up here. You, you're going for things, and then you kind of when you play freely and aggressively, ninety five percent of the time you actually pull it off. You know, two of the two of the most pivotal moments in your career, um, both both came about by people three putting. Yes. That's actually quite weird if you think about it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, John's putt wasn't easy. I was—I remember I was on the range, just kind of hitting some balls just to keep myself kind of in the zone, and just in case it's a playoff. And he knocked it about thirty foot, but during the his greens off, it's next level. Um, quite a tricky flag, and he just rusted just just too hard. I knew it was gonna, wasn't going to be easy, uh, you know, two putt generally, especially under pressure. And yeah, he knocked it about six foot past and he just missed that one. But um, he has won, I think, 19 times on tour. So it was quite nice to give me that, that one win. What was, the, what was the chat afterwards? What did he say to you? He actually came up, gave me a kiss on my forehead, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> so anyway, I think we actually had a brandy, <laughs> to be fair. Um, I kind of grew up, you know, my... Uh, John played a bit with my dad. I think he played with your dad as well. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I think my dad's a few years older that. than yours, though, to be honest. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so John played. I mean, John, he's a phenomenal player. He's ridiculously good. Um, so he, I think he played province, um, you know, IPC teams and stuff like that when he was probably 15 or whatever, 16. So my dad played a bit of golf with John, so which helped me when I just got on tour that I kind of, I actually played my first event with John as well, which is quite weird. Oh, um, cool. so that that kind of helped me, you know, growing up with him, teaching me, you know, the ins and outs of, of tour life um, does help. Um, so it was quite quite nice to, well, kind of share that memory with him, or you know, that moment with him. That's so, wild. Yeah, and he's like I said, he's 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 ridiculously good. I played with him at Zolder again now, um, all three rounds, uh, first year, and then when we made the cut. I played with him again. Um, you know, just to see that Oak short game is is it's next level. It's, it's insane. And also, his longevity is crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, no, of course. I mean, he's just his imagination of how he, if you chat him off the run of golf, and if he takes you through a shot, um, I, you don't think of that. I, I don't think of that. He he just looks at it a different, a whole different view. And that's why he's still one of the best players on the Sunshine Tour. Is, um, is the reason why the, you know how he approaches approaches the game and how he thinks about it. And I mean, he played Craven Beak, I think rugby, cricket, all that. I think he went to uh, Paul yeah. So he he was he was kind of like a Callis in that sense. You know, Callis was obviously cricket. He was good in golf, uh, good in rugby. Um, so it's one of those you know talented talented people. Sure, that's insane. I never would have never would have known that to be honest. I also I also didn't. We we actually uh, we played in Wild Coast and we had a chat and I said, oh, did you play a bit of cricket? Yeah, he goes, yeah, I played the province. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then and then I'm like in rugby because yeah, he actually got his rugby uh, talents as well. So I was like, okay, well then yeah, nice. <laughs> that's it's, you don't really know what to say <laughs> say to that. And then you you've won what eighteen or nineteen times. I think he's got one more win. He needs one more win, and then he's, you know, basically um, got the most wins. Almost, well, I think he's already got some of the most wins on tour. But yeah, he needs one more win. I think then, then he's kind of in the uh, Hall of Fame, uh, you know, type of thing in uh, on this on tour in on our tour. Yeah, I mean, what's crazy to think is he's won eleven Origins titles alone. Like that's that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. That is ridiculous. Um, to think, and uh, he had his European tour card a couple of years ago. I think just before COVID, he got his he got his card, and then obviously played one season. But it's not it's not easy. I mean, having a family travel uh, back and forth um, overseas, it's, it's it's not easy. So I guess kind of kind of um, shifting shifting focus back to back to your career. But I mean, is um like something like the like the dp world tour something that that is in the back of your mind um kind of 
when you play those events or is it kind of like cool you know it'll happen when it's meant to happen yeah i mean obviously our main goal is to get onto the bt world tour um but yeah obviously with i wanted to go uh, to tour school this year but obviously that that's not going to happen i just want to kind of get get going again um but yeah that is the goal i mean uh, if you look at it can happen so quickly look at Tristan lawrence i mean he won jobbik open um yeah. the next thing you know you're packing your bags and you, and you you know you're playing in european tour or pp world tour so yeah that is the that is the goal um i mean asian tour if you look at that as well that's also looking you know amazing to see all the all the opportunities that opens up these days um so yeah obviously the goal is to you know to end up playing overseas hopefully next year when when everything's back kind of back to normal yeah and the uh, the asian tour has become become super lucrative in the last or basically this this year i guess um so it also becomes a lot more financially viable to to go that route as well yeah um obviously asian tour and japanese tour i mean one of my good mates norris uh, Sean norris he, he plays in japan and he absolutely loves it i mean he played there i think it's his sixth season and he's won a lot of time and and they play for uh, for good money i mean they play it's basically almost it's a i mean i didn't realize it until he kind of told me what they play for each week and it's almost like playing you know european tour week in week out um or dp also um and i didn't realize it and all the perks i mean he's every single tournament he wins there um he gets into a major you know he played with tiger in, in the british open at college yeah. so and obviously the us opens he's played pga so these world ranking points that side is it's it's insane and uh have you chatted much about the lingual barrier because i'm sure that must be quite a quite a challenge for him as well yeah he's got so he's got a manager uh, that side you have to have a manager that side um when you play in japan um so they do all the translating um, oh, okay yeah they do all that all that stuff for him um but yeah he says that is quite tricky but yeah he's got a manager that that translates everything and, and talks about that side yeah. so you've been super super generous with your time so just a just a few final questions to to wrap up what are your kind of I guess it's it's quite tough to to plan too far ahead with your um with the injury and stuff but what are you kind of hoping to get out of the next out of out of this season I guess So my goal yeah so it's it's quite tricky but um obviously my goal this year is to just you know try get back into you know try get put to play uh, basically four weeks and um basically just to make the cut obviously at the event um but yeah just to try to get back into it you know trying to get my confidence back up to where it was before i got injured um because i actually played i played some decent golf leading up to to jobic open where i got injured i actually played with um mateo manacero that that first day or first few days but i only played the, the first day and um so yeah i would like to get my confidence back up to to where where it must be um and then i think once you believe again um you you kind of get the confidence back and, and you get going you know um i think that's that's the main goal just to try yeah. and get back to just basically get the confidence back awesome well yeah i'm sure the more the more sort of tournaments you're able to play i'm sure it'll it'll definitely find your feet again faster than you think but just a, just a couple of kind of quick fire questions to to finish off so what's your what is your ideal off day consist of um i actually recently funny enough everyone's gonna laugh my match as well but i mean i recently started fishing with uh yaku prinsler <laughs> so okay, cool i think my, my normal off day would just be you know just chilling and you know but i i really started enjoying this whole fishing thing um so i think that's going to be more more in my off days is <laughs> going to start fishing. i'm going to start fishing so yeah i think that that's it's very cool um yeah we we did it now twice when i stayed with them last week and the week before um up in victoria and 
yeah, it's, it's lovely. The first day we caught two big cops, and then the second day we caught nothing, but it was still cool. Just to, you know, just yeah. to be there and, you know, that whole, that whole atmosphere. Sure, that's so cool. Um, yeah, and also I'm, I'm sure it teaches you, well, it, I mean, it does obviously teach you a measure of patience as well, which you can then apply back to your golf. Absolutely. Um, I, the first time we went, so we caught these two fish, he literally looked at me and goes, Dabs, this is not how it normally, <laughs> this is not normally how it goes. And then the second day we went, so we caught absolutely nothing. We, we sat for four or five hours and we, and we ate not even a nibble. But yeah, it, it does teach you the, the whole patience, which quite relates to golf, yeah. Yeah. And um, what's the best Netflix series you've, you've watched? I've watched Breaking Bad three times. Um, are you and uh, Luke Cherling by any chance good mates? Because that are, and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, oh my word. You should uh, you should have a chat with that. <laughs> yeah, I've watched, yes, my, myself and Luke, are, we are good mates. We played a lot of, uh, you know, especially junior golf together. He used to play for EP. Um, and obviously with Province, he used to play all the all the 20s together and we kind of we i think we probably played match play against each other i think four or five times in our you know in our career together as juniors but yeah i've i've watched yeah like i said breaking bad i've watched that three times medical soul <laughs> all those things <laughs> <laughs> so one one thing sort of the average golf fan is is unlikely to know about you um i actually thought about that question i'm i'm a pretty i don't know i'm a pretty easy going you know person i'm yeah i, I actually yeah I, i'm pretty chilled i actually thought about the question this morning i went to the or into the sheet thing and I, I actually asked even my girlfriend and i actually don't yeah it's what you see is what you get type of thing so yeah it's, I'm, I'm a fairly easy going person sick and then just finally any sort of noteworthy like funny like caddy stories from your time on tour where like a caddy's maybe like done something that uh kind of left you scratching your head or or something funny like that yeah, yeah there, there is a couple i think i wouldn't say in my probe um in my probe career there wasn't any any uh, funny stories but i must say in the province amateur uh, the year before I turned pro, um, I was playing against a guy called uh, Graham van der Maver. Um, he used to be pro as well. Uh, great players from Joburg. And we got to the first hole of the match. I think it was the semi-final of the uh, the knockout. You know, you play the stroke play and then you get the match. Play. Mm. And I got to I got to the first green and my, my caddy forgot my putter on the putting green. So I kind of I flipped it against my golf bag. And... <laughs> And he just picked up the bag and <laughs> so yeah, I, I dedicated that first hole to him. Um, I didn't have a putter to putt with, so yeah, he had to run all the way back. <laughs> so yeah, but not really um, any any funny ones in the in the pro with you know the pro career. No. Yeah. And then and then just lastly, which which tournament, either on the Sunshine Tour or just generally, would you would you most like to to win before your career is uh is all said and done i think there's there's two i, I would say definitely caps and open would be one um you know funny for the book i would say yeah 100 100 percent. maybe you you never know yeah. maybe you'll um you'll be dueling it with dueling it out with uh manacero down the stretch for that title that would be a vibe wouldn't it yeah I, I actually went on your instagram um just just you know just have a little squirt and i saw he, he also did a podcast yeah i think that that illustrates just how for how far his his career has has fallen that he's on the on the free drop podcast after winning like four <laughs> times in the european tour <laughs> well remember he won four times i think by the age of 15 or something like that. <laughs> dude it was it was insane i mean i think he yeah like four times by the age of 20 and it's like yeah. and it's interesting i mean he what, he what he was saying to me which yeah i suppose is maybe a lesson to to youngsters coming through is he kind of started to chase distance but he went he said he went about it in the wrong way he tried to make changes to his swing 
rather than yeah. just trying to put on muscle and 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 generate more speed that way um yeah, yeah, yeah. which is which is interesting but he yeah i mean what a what a super humble guy and just super philosophical about everything that's that's happened in his in his career but it must be yeah i mean it illustrates what an up and down game golf golf can be sometimes yeah he is he is a flipper nice guy i mean i, I think i've played with him twice now and i mean he is he's really a nice guy and he's still a great player he's still a phenomenal yep. player it's just it's it's you know it's one of those it's there it's there but it's not quite there yet but it can be there within the next day and yeah. um yeah yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if he you know kind of breaks through again oh no 100 percent. i mean he's time's still on his side i don't think he's even 30 yet yeah. so. no yeah. But he's yeah he's younger than me it's it's quite weird that you think you know the oak's kind of in a slump but he's not even you know he's not even 30. It's, yeah. it's quite strange to think about it that way. No, it's nuts. But, dude, thank you so, so much for the time. I've really, really enjoyed the chat. Thanks a lot, Craig. Thanks for the opportunity. It was nice to catch up with you. Later, man. Have a good day. Cool. Same to you. Bye. Bye. Cheers, dude. Bye.